Hello, this is May coming on here just to give a quick disclaimer. So we had a few technical difficulties for this episode and one of which was my mic. So I apologize for my awful sound quality, but I promise this is an episode you're going to want to listen to. Okay, back to regularly scheduled programming. Welcome back to Stay Tuned, supporting Transition Aged Youth. This podcast is brought to you by the Transitions to Adulthood Center for Research at UMass Chan Medical School Department of Psychiatry and in partnership with our research sponsor, the National Institute for Disability, Independent Living, and Rehabilitation Research. I'm your host, May. And I'm your host, Emily. And And we have had a lot of technical difficulties today. (laughs) We have had a lot of technical difficulties today. but we're here. <laughs> we spent like an hour and a half trying to record a new platform and then it wasn't working. So we're just on Zoom, but yep, it's okay. We're here. Good old, good old fashioned Zoom. Um, <laughs> you know, this is what happens when you try to do too much. We're trying to be <laughs> all fancy, all high tech. And it just was not in the cards today, so. Not today, at least. Okay, so who are we having on today? <laughs> no one. Just us. No one. <laughs> just yeah. us and nostalgia. So we're gonna Nos- yeah, we're going to talk about nostalgia. Because um, we got to talking the other week. And I think I brought up the fact that I still play webkins. <laughs> yes. And that... Yeah, that sent us down a bit of a rabbit hole of like, oh my god, do you remember Club Penguin? Do you remember Barbie.com? Do you remember like Polly Pockets? Like all the yeah. good things. <laughs> yeah, so we're talking about all the like amazing computer games that we used to play when we were kids and how, I mean, I still play some of them too. Like every now and then I'll just, <laughs> it's like, it's weird because like, you know, um, like Flash or whatever isn't a thing anymore. So I just like Google, I'm like, dress up games <laughs> just yes rabbit hole of like games I used to play as a kid I used to go on like girls go games all the time yes! like, like the pixie hollow game was like my favorite um so magical yeah. yes so we're talking about like old computer games and then we're talking about tv shows and like movies and all that stuff and I feel like it's it's such a thing for millennials and gen z especially to really I don't know we really just like covet all that like nostalgia you know every totally yeah that we can consume this nostalgic we like love it so we're just thinking about that and basically it's like a coping mechanism for a lot of people you know and like things are so stressful that it's like you need something (laughs) to bring you joy yeah and what better than like I don't know going back to when you were a kid when nothing was all that stressful and like all you had to worry about was what are you gonna feed your club penguin or what outfit or like meet at like was it the cafe yes oh my god yes <laughs> yeah yeah so we did like some research on it so we're gonna talk like a little bit about that but we're also just kind of gonna talk about it in general I feel like especially if you are in college or you're starting your first job or you know just like in this like sort of stage of life as a young adult 
things are new and you're just navigating the world and being an adult. So it's like nice to have that little bit of childhood every now and then just to like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like grounding, you know, take you back to your It is totally, it's, it's absolutely grounding. And I don't know, even like this, this is a little bit off topic, but I think I was telling you about this last week about during my research for this episode, I went down a whole rabbit hole of how um, like TV shows, for example, these days are a lot more stimulating than they used to be for kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Like high stimulation versus low stimulation shows. It really has to do with um, the frame rate of modern kids shows and also how fast the images are moving on the screen, essentially. Um so, like, for example, kids shows from our childhood, like, I had talked to you about Angelina Ballerina and um, what else, like, Little Bear and Franklin. Um, Max and Ruby. Max and Ruby, yes. like Bernstein Bear. There's so many. Yes. Those were all considered lower stimulation shows because there were less moving images um, per second versus, like, nowadays, I believe there's a show called Coco Melon that's, like, has kids addicted to watching the show yeah um but my point is why I bring this up is because I think like in general computer games were a lot less stimulating back then as well because maybe we didn't have the technology or like research and how to make things addicting but I feel like that's another reason why they're just relaxing to watch and play you know what I mean (laughs) Yeah, like they were just so simple too. For example, with the dress up game on Barbie.com or whatever, it's like you're literally just picking out, you have four different shade options for her lipstick and then you're picking that out and then you have like five hairstyles you can choose. You know, it's like very simple. And I feel like also, I mean, I don't know if this is like anything with the research, but like I feel like the art style was also just very different, you know, because it was that more like, it it looked more like hand-drawn type of thing. Whereas like, like, I, I think about, like, the old, um like, animated Disney movies, you know, like, when we were growing up, like, Aladdin or, like, Mulan, like, that art style is very different from, like, you know, like, Frozen or, like, yeah or whatever. And, like, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but, like, it just felt simpler, you know? No, I totally agree. I think now everything is, like, 3D looking versus our old animated movies and shows where... 2D and that you could tell they were like hand-drawn right. images yeah it is interesting to think about because I totally agree like it definitely has a more nostalgic feel for us but that is also because we grew up with it so yeah, it does exactly. bring into question like okay like the kids of this generation right now they'll probably look back at like Frozen and like the 3D cartoons um and think that's nostalgic for them because who knows what's coming next, you know? (laughs) I want to get into like what nostalgia is and why it actually might be beneficial for our mental health and why we may return to these nostalgic shows and games um, like in a subconscious way um, because it ends up helping our overall mood and it helps us feel more connected to society actually is what my research found I had similar stuff too so you go ahead and then I'll I'll share sounds good 
So before I get into it, we do want to let you guys know all the resources we're discussing today are actually going to be linked in our bio. Um, so please feel free to check it out. So in my research, um, I actually came across this peer-reviewed study. It's called Once Upon a Game, Exploring Video Game Nostalgia and Its Impact on Well-Being. And I was like, that's exactly what we're looking for right now, because Emily and I both were like, why is it? that we keep going back to these nostalgic games from the past? And why is it that these games help us cope throughout our stressful days and jobs and school and whatnot? And so what the study was actually saying was nostalgia is a mixed emotion that features a unique combination of longing for the past. Um, so a positive affect, meaning like feelings of happiness and personal meaning, and negative affect, so feelings of sadness and regret. So it mixes like negative and positive emotions together, but overall people perceive it as an overwhelmingly positive emotion, but it is that tinge of like sadness that makes it nostalgia. Right, right. I think it, it's funny. I think I had the same article in mind. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> so we might have like overlapping stuff, but that's good that we're like, we'll be on the same page. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, we can talk about it instead. Um, so I just thought that was a perfect description. Yeah, um, no, I agree. I, I think I read that too. And I was like, yeah, like, I don't, because like, you know, it's like nostalgia, like, you know what it is. So if you're going to describe it, you would kind of be like, you know, it's nostalgia. But then I like read that description. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's like exactly what it is. <laughs> right. It's bittersweet. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> It also was saying nostalgia is a social emotion as well. Experiencing nostalgia can increase feelings of social connectedness as well as increased social behavioral tendencies. I had something, it was like nostalgia can fulfill a social function and counteract loneliness. So like if you're playing a game from your childhood, like even if it's not with like it could be like with a friend or a family member but it could even just be like by yourself or if it's something that you used to play with like friends or family as a child then like that even if you're playing it alone now that still helps counteract that sense of loneliness just really yeah that is interesting you know another layer to it is a lot of the games from our childhood were like server games. So you were playing with real people as well. It's also a, a good point because it's like a lot of the games that we played were, you know, it's interactive, but you didn't always know who you were playing with. For like Club Penguin, for example, all these people would be on the server, but you don't know who they are, but you're still playing with other kids, you know? Yeah. So like even if you're not actually like talking to them or like sitting next to them, it's like still social in a way. It's really mm -hmm. interesting. I wonder sometimes, most of the time, I'd say I played those games alone, yeah. but you were interacting with real people. And so I wonder if that also brings on that sort of social connectedness you were talking about that nostalgia brings on, that it reminds you of the people you would play with and like that social interaction. So even though we didn't know who we were playing with, we were still playing with other people. And that makes us feel like um, more sociable and connected. Yeah, exactly. And even if it wasn't a game where it's like with other people, a lot of the games that we played, everyone knew about them. Everyone was also playing them. So I was thinking of in elementary school, everyone would play like Pop Tropica 
And so then you would go to school and like people would be talking about it and like talking about like the different levels or whatever. And like if they had beat it and you're giving each other tips and stuff, you're not actually playing with them, but everybody knows what you're talking about. So it's like a shared experience. So I feel like that's also part of it. And it's also interesting how when we were kids, we would talk about um, like tips and tricks. and Oh, what were we doing last night in the world? But nowadays, like when we do talk about it, it's more of a conversation of like, we don't even have to go into much detail about it. We just say Club Penguin and we already know what's going on, you know, like. Yeah, exactly. I know. I was like, when we were first talking about this um, episode, I was like listing off, like I wrote a bunch of different games that I could think of and like I'll like list them off now because like when I was first like typing them out we were like oh my god like I had like Webkins, Pixie Hollow, um, Disney Channel Games, Pop Tropica, Barbie and Polly Pocket, um, My Scene, Girls Go Games and then I had like other stuff like Animal Crossing and like Nintendogs, Pokemon, Sims, kind of going along with that. Some of the stuff that I had written down from, I think that same article. Um, So like when you play like these older games or like, you know, watch TV shows or movies or whatever, it's like helping you um, sort of recreate those happy memories from your childhood, which like, it's like they described it as like, it's allowing you to relive those experiences and transport back to what maybe thought of as like a simpler time and it it like specified it was like whether or not that's actually accurate like it still feels like a simpler time so like even if you were like (laughs) say you're like playing on the computer like in the computer room on the computer like 2008 parents are downstairs fighting getting divorced because of the recession (laughs) but you're playing like you know (laughs) webkins or something and then you play webkins as an adult and you're like oh my god simpler times i've seen seen the memes i've seen the memes like me (laughs) not a care in the world playing just dance upstairs as my parents are like arguing over bills downstairs and i'm like la di da di da (laughs) like i wonder if they'll get me just dance three for christmas (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah and like it yeah so that kind of goes along with like the whole nostalgia thing and like um just like using it as like a coping mechanism and like something that I also thought was interesting was like it it said in the article like people tend to seek out nostalgic experiences as like a sort of coping mechanism um but the like flip side of that is that they can eventually become less effective so like it is said like sometimes people feel like guilty about it or like it becomes like habitual and then it sort of like loses that effect over time say you're like playing the sims every day or whatever and then like over time it's like no longer nostalgic it's like just part of like your life now so it's like kind of like two sides of one coin where it's like you kind of have to have a give and take where you're not playing it like so much that it sort of like loses that nostalgic effect but you're still using it sort of as a coping mechanism when things are stressful and it can be beneficial but just not like all the time you know I guess too much of a good thing really applies to everything in life. Like, yeah. What do you mean? I can't just play webkins all day long and all my problems <laughs> will be fixed. Like, <laughs> I guess not. But I, I do see that in practice happening. I can see how if you're putting so much of your time into any one thing that main that society does not deem as productive, like that could start to 
take a toll on you. I see why it wouldn't have the same effect. And, and you would stop thinking about it as like, oh, this game I used to play during childhood and start thinking, thinking of it more as like, I'm so compelled to play this game. Like, yeah, and it comes becomes more and more distant from your childhood and more intertwined into your current life, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. And I think that's where like the like guilt portion comes in too, where it's like, and I mean, also this just goes into like our society in general, but that's like a whole different topic. But it's like, you know, if you come home from work or whatever, or from school, you've had a long day of classes, whatever it is, and you're playing this game, it's like, you might feel that sense of guilt where it's like, I should be being productive. I should be like doing something. I should be doing homework. I should be doing whatever, you know, but it's like, you know, it it really is like too much of a good thing playing these games or watching these movies, whatever it is. It's like, if you do it in like short amounts of time, or it's just not becoming like a habitual thing, like they said, then it can be really beneficial but I can also see how that guilt or that sense of like it not being as nostalgic anymore, how that could come in if it is like a every single day, like you're coming home from work, you're coming home from class and you're logging on to webkins, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see yeah. how it would, it would lose its effect over time. Yeah, I think like um, it becomes less special because the reason these games are so special to us now is that we haven't played them in so long and when we do it's just it transports you back but if you're constantly playing these games then it's just going to feel like a normal thing to you and it loses that like magic like I don't know if you have this experience but when I think back on my childhood I just feel like the world looked so much brighter to me like yeah. the colors were more vibrant and like now it's not to say that things look gray and dull but it's just the world has kind of lost its magic a little bit of its magic yeah. no I know exactly what you mean and I feel like it's also like it kind of goes into like um like imagination too you know like I feel like you sort of lose touch with a lot of your like imagination as you get older I feel like that's also kind of part of it where it's like you know, things look brighter, things were more magical when you were a kid. And now as an adult, it's like, it's harder to find that. And so I think then again, tapping into that nostalgic thing from your childhood can really help sort of like bring back a piece of that, even if it's not like to the extent as it was when you were a kid, it's still like, it's a reminder of that. (laughs) I did want to ask though, like part of what the paper was saying was that Research has shown nostalgia is connected to a variety of different parts of well-being. The paper wasn't saying that it can increase meaning in life, but it did say that it might play might play a role in improving one's sentiments towards meaning of life. Yes. So I that made me think about like what like in your own experience, like have you felt that? And then maybe think about, like, why that is. Yeah, I feel like maybe a little bit. And it's interesting, too, because, like, I saw that also whenever I was reading the article. And, like, I don't know. I was sort of listing out the different – because it was saying, like, it can help – nostalgia can help with, like, 
um, like psychological well-being and like social relationships, um, autonomy, uh, competence, like optimism, stuff like that. And like, and then it, I did get to that part where it said like, um, you know, the sense of meaning or whatever. And I was like, huh. like I don't know. I, I was kind of like, I don't know about that one. Like the other ones I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm on board. But then that one for some reason, like stopped me. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I guess I can see how it would. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I thought that one was interesting too. And I didn't really know what to think about it. Yeah. For me, what it made me think of was for me, getting meaning out of life isn't necessarily from like aspirations or goals, to be honest. Like it's yeah. it's just for some people it is. For some people they're like, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a lawyer, like I to help people, whatever. Where I really draw meaning from is like my friends and family around me and those who I care about, like spending time with them, feeling connected to them. Um, that's where I draw meaning from. And if what they're saying is correct or supported, that playing nostalgic games increases that feeling of social connectedness to your peers, friends, and whatnot, then that does make sense to me. Yeah, no, that does make sense. Um, yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. This is like different, but like sort of similar where like I like recently this past summer after years like finally got back into reading for fun which is something that as a child like I was I read all the time as a child and I feel like once I got to maybe high school I sort of stopped because I had you know I had to read for like school and for different classes and like even into like undergrad I, you know once you're once you're reading for school then it's like not it's hard to read for fun and this summer I started reading for fun again and like I understand what you're saying about the like finding meaning when it comes to that and so then I can also understand like how games would have the same effect you know because it's like if, yeah. you, if you have something and I also like the things that you love like in your childhood I feel like sometimes we lose sight of that stuff and like sometimes when you come back to it you realize like that's really what does give you meaning in life you know like yeah no, but speaking of going back to the things you loved as a kid, that in general, that principle, I think makes so much sense to me, but it's not something I necessarily practice in my life. Like, I don't know. Have yeah. you heard people say like, if you're unhappy now, if you're struggling to find what you love, if you're struggling with your like career goals or path, just think about what you loved to do as a kid and never questioned like whether it was worth your time and like go back to those things like for example I loved like drawing and art projects and like clay and getting messy yeah, and, yeah like, art is a big one for me too right I feel like for a lot of kids they they were always drawing coloring whatever and like nowadays it's not something I ever like sit down and I'm like let's color like or let's draw, let's create something. Because yeah. I'm always like, well, I just got off work. I'm tired. Like, I don't want to draw. Like, what's that going to do for me? But honestly, like, the I, I've had to draw recently for, like, little gifts I was making for people um, because I don't want to spend money. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll draw I was like, some, 
exactly like I'll, I'll draw you a little comic book I drew somewhat a comic book recently and that took a decent amount of time to do and it just it was so enjoyable and it was relaxing and it made I'd say it kind of gave me a little bit of meaning in life to like yeah. really do something I loved doing um but I think that is maybe not realistic advice to like go do what you love to do as a kid as your career but I do think that it is um it does hobbies. make sense hobbies are important hobbies are important yes that's yeah. the word hobbies yeah no I completely agree I feel the same whenever I watch like um like certain Disney channel shows too because I feel like I mean I, I would watch them a lot anyway but it especially reminds me of like there was one summer when I don't know it was probably like nine or ten or something and my sister and I like basically binge watched like all of uh Wizards of Waverly Place and like Sweet Life on Deck and like shows like that like that summer and so like even though we watched those like all the time as like throughout our childhood anyway anytime I watch those two particular shows it reminds me of that summer so it's like nostalgic like extra nostalgic <laughs> <laughs> like inception <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm like oh my god summer you know you don't have school you don't you know, obviously yeah. you don't work when you're like 10 you know you're just like simpler times <laughs> again yeah. the simpler times it's like even if it wasn't like it feels like that yeah I think the thing that really gets me is like um, I, I shouldn't say this is an original thought. I saw this online and someone was like, you know, why, why are we so ashamed to do the things we loved as kids? Like as kids, we never questioned whether it was a waste of time or not. We just did it because it was, it was in our nature, you know, um, and parents encouraged it too, right? They were like, go play, go outside, go bike, go draw go do whatever they signed us up for summer camps if you know they could and like I just think like where did that support go <laughs> of, of like yeah, do what you genuinely love even if it is a hobby like I don't know I feel like that disappeared out of my life one day and maybe that's a reason right now I'm struggling to like find things to do outside of work um or maybe like I'm struggling with the idea of like just biting the was was saying biting the bullet. Yeah. Yeah. Biting the bullet and signing up for something because I'm like, that's expensive. Like <laughs> or like, I don't know, that would take a lot of investment on my part to go get the materials for a project I'd want to do. And um like is it worth my time and effort and money? I don't know. It is though. It fully is, but it's this like weird obstacle I can't get over because I feel like there's not just, just not a lot of support um, in my life to go after those things. No, that is, that is such a good point. And I completely agree. And I feel like it is like, that's interesting because it's like, where did that support go? And it's like, maybe it is sort of like, as you just get older and like whatever, but I think also a lot of it is like more societal too, you know, where it's like, you know I mean basically like once you get to high school it's kind of like you're now preparing for college and then from there you're preparing for work you know like that's sort of the path that you're even if that's not the path that you take like that's what they're trying to like push you towards 
there was this one article that I found. Okay, well, I want to preface also by saying when I was doing my research, I made a couple notes because it was like weirdly hard for me to find stuff that I was looking for. But I was thinking about it and I was think I think it's like because, well, I had a couple different points. So one, I feel like it was hard to find anything about the specific games like we played, like more like Gen Z um, as kids, because a lot of the information that I was finding was about like retro games from like the 80s or like 90s or like arcades, stuff like that. And maybe I just like couldn't figure out like good search terms or whatever, but I've tried a bunch of different stuff. Um, And like a lot of them were about like you know, I mean, I feel like this is just like with everything, but a lot of articles were written by like older people, like basically complaining about millennials. Um, like even when I like took out like millennials from my search and like specifically looked up like Gen Z, it was still all millennials, millennials, you know, like that's like all it was, which, you know, that's a whole different thing. But, um, but I also was thinking about it and I feel like it's hard to find information about games that like specifically like girls played and like I feel like a lot of the stuff that I found were I mean you know in theory at least was more targeted towards boys you know so I just like I don't know it was just interesting because I was like I was trying to find stuff about like you know webkins or whatever and I was finding all this stuff about like it just like it wasn't the stuff that like I was playing and so I was like well whatever like I'm not relating to this um so that was kind of annoying. And like, also I feel like, so the next article that I'm going to talk about is interesting because like, I would say like 80% of the articles that I found were about Pokemon Go. And also like, along with that, there wasn't a lot of like post pandemic stuff. Um, like it was a lot of like, I feel like it sort of stopped at like Pokemon Go. Anyway, all that to say, the article that I did find about Pokemon Go, it was actually pretty interesting. Um, and, like, I feel like that is a good, you know, example of this stuff because it was kind of, like, it was in, like, summer of, like, I think it was, like, 2016, you know? And it was a very, like, collective thing. So, it was, like, you know, for us, at least, like, we were, you know, later high school, so it's, like, slightly different. But also, like, Pokemon Go, like, Pokemon in general is a nostalgic thing for a lot of people. So, I don't know. Anyway. I just thought it was interesting and like a lot of the stuff it was saying was about how um people like would get into like this like flow state which they describe as like a they said it was a perceived balance between challenges and an individual's capabilities so they described Pokemon Go as like a good example of this because it allowed people to concentrate on and like become immersed in an activity that provided distraction for like unpleasant thoughts um which is what a lot of nostalgic games are able to do anyway. Um, so I feel like that was just like a really good example of that, you know? I don't know, it's just very interesting to me. First of all, I do want to address like, I'm not even surprised. Like there's the gap in research, not surprising to it me was, at all. I was disappointed, not surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, disappointed, not surprised. A <laughs> very familiar feeling as as a woman uh but we need to do better we need to do better that's for sure um and then the second thing I want to say is like yes I totally understand what pe- what they meant by like the flow state of like really getting in sitting down and like applying yourself to a game which I think 
that flow state is also relevant to like sitting down and doing work and sitting down and like studying. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, it's hard for me to get into that flow state because I think the nature of the content, like social media and stuff has shortened my attention, has shortened my attention span. Um, but I do remember like just getting lost in a video game when I was a kid. And that's just, I don't know, like I do play webkin still, but it's definitely harder for me to like sit down and play for hours like I used to and get yeah. super yeah into it. But the other thing too is like Pokemon Go, I also partook in this wave. I know there's still lots of people who play, which is amazing, but it was so interesting because it brought like my whole grade together. Like everyone was playing Pokemon Go and it was a social event. And I think it was so revolutionary because there hasn't really been like in-person active gaming, like, like, I mean, physically active gaming like that. There's like, you can game with other people in the same room, but it's not like as interactive and maybe VR kind of encapsulates that idea as well, but it's just different because you're not like immersed in another world like you still can't really see other people in in VR like it made me feel like I don't know if anyone will relate to this but it made me feel like I was outside again like a little kid hunting for bugs with my friends like I used to hunt for bugs and worms with my <laughs> friends and like it just it brought that like playful aspect out again and um my friends and I were playing outside as high schoolers. <laughs> like, yeah, No, you're like exactly right. And like, you're completely touching on like what this article is talking about it too. Cause it was like a big part of it too. was like why it was so, such a big phenomenon is like, it was a form of exercise. You know, like people were going outside, people were walking and like, it was bringing people together. Like I completely agree with like it bringing like all your, everyone from your grade together you know like I remember playing it like in high school and like me and like a friend or like a group of friends like we would be walking like just all over our town and like you would pass by other groups of friends like doing the same thing so it's like everyone is doing it and it is like that sense of like playing outside you know and like you're getting exercise so like you're getting those like endorphins and everything so like it is like actually like I feel like you know, I mean, it was kind of, like, annoying when I was doing research because they were all about Pokemon Go. I was like, okay, like, give me something else. But, like, I also understand it because, like, that really was such a specific phenomenon where it's, like, you are getting outside. You are playing again, you know? And it's, like, you're with friends and you're, I don't know. It was such a, like, specific era, you know? And, like, it was also interesting because it was, like, very short-lived, you know? Like, I feel like it really was just, like, that summer. And, again, like, people do still play it but it's like it's not as intense as it was um and like I feel like that's also similar to like when I was reading these articles like it was making me think of like um like Animal Crossing on the Switch in, during the pandemic like that was a huge one too and it's like you know not the same in the sense of like going outside and like interacting with people but like that was like very nostalgic for people like I played Animal Crossing when I was a kid like on my DS and like to get it on the switch was like so exciting and then it's like everyone is talking about it for like a couple months you know like that was like the big thing like during lockdown these things like bring people together you know absolutely and the other thing I want to point out is and this the article that we were first talking about does touch on this 
is that pretty much more releases than not are all remakes or um, continuations of older retro games or games from like way back when like all Nintendo games are really just reusing the same characters in the same universe and just coming up with like a new story or a new world but there is that element of like these are nostalgic characters for a lot of people myself included and um, it's telling us that there there's obviously a market for these nostalgic games like this is a phenomenon that's happening that like people are seeking out characters and um the feelings that they got when they were kids playing this um and like I feel like this paper is possibly touching on like why that is why this market is so big right yeah yeah no that's so true and like it's also interesting like the I guess difference or like maybe the overlap between like games that are like specifically marketed as nostalgic like Animal Crossing like on the Switch like Pokemon Go that stuff and then games that like you know we played as a kid and they're nostalgic because you know like like Club Penguin or whatever you know but like there is that overlap there and obviously it is a market that people have picked up on and like clearly it is a thing you know I mean there's articles written about like why nostalgia is like a coping mechanism and then like if game companies are like marketing these nostalgic games like clearly it's a thing you know because mm-hmm. it makes sense why like so many people like you know millennials gen z especially like why we're so drawn to that stuff and why it is such a good distraction for yeah daily life you know and it really does make me think how can this be used in different therapy methodologies um like for example this was like I don't know what Google was doing like they were definitely tracking my my searches the cookies were being cookied um and I was scrolling on Instagram and I've been getting this ad for it's a video game therapy group being advertised so it's a group of people it's virtual and um it's a therapist run group um so I don't I didn't really look into it I don't really know how that works like if it's really a licensed therapist I really don't know I feel like they can't say it's a licensed therapist if it's not (laughs) but it it's certainly like a very interesting concept and I I did stop and think I was like wait a second should I join this (laughs) I'm (laughs) tempted yeah but yeah. it does make me wonder, like, what role is the therapist playing during these gaming sessions? Like, what's what's going on in there? Yeah, no, I, I'm like, I don't know. There was an article that I had skimmed and I didn't include it. And I'm like mad that I didn't now because I don't remember exactly what it said. But it was sort of touching on that. Like, they had used, you know, they they were using video games as like a therapeutic tool I don't know why I didn't include it. I just like, I don't know. I was looking through so many articles and I was like skimming them. But I do remember that being a part of it. And I wish I remember like what the therapist role was because that is such a good point. Like, I feel like it really can be used in that way. And I don't know exactly how, but I I can see like that it would be effective, you know? Yeah. Well, I bet this is interesting for you to think about because you're actually going to have clients <laughs> one day that yeah. you'll see. And like, it sounds like you'll, you want to work with kids or like a younger population. So yeah. Yeah. I want, I want to work more like, uh, like teenagers and like young adults, but like, again, like that, that's basically what we're talking about here, you know, where it's like yeah. <laughs> these nostalgic games. So yeah, that that's like something that 
would be really interesting to look into more. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Instagram ads. <laughs> there's there's so much more that we could say about it, but you know, it's it's really interesting. Like I feel like nostalgia in general is such an interesting topic. Um, and mm -hmm. so, researchers out there, I would like to Re about Pixie Hollow and Barbie and Polly Pocket. I would like to see it. I I just feel like during my research it was more like anecdotal evidence than anything like opinion pieces on like club penguin saved me during 2020 lockdown and I'm like no yeah that's true <laughs> that they're they're on to something there um so even if like the research isn't concrete I feel like so many people have experienced going back to their childhood favorites and like just experiencing like a breath of fresh air after a long day of something stressful yeah very interesting stuff it's fun to look into mm -hmm. even more fun to, to play I still play the sims before we go we actually do have an opportunity for you guys who are listening do you or someone you know have a hard time doing or keeping up with your job due to difficulties staying organized remembering things managing your time following directions or getting to work on time so tools for work success is a research study that may be able to help the transitions to adulthood center for research at umass Chan medical school is recruiting for a new study the tools for work success study part of the 2019 to 2024 Learning and Working RRTC. The main purpose of this study is to determine which of two approaches is most effective in helping young adults ages 18 to 30 with mental health conditions develop skills around focus, memory, planning and time management and problem solving for work. So if you wanna learn more, please visit the study page at umsmed.edu slash transitions ACR slash models slash FSST or you can contact a member of the study team and we will have their information linked in the description box on our YouTube channel, Spotify, everywhere. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at staytuned at umassmed.edu and check out the Transitions ACR website at umassmed.edu slash transitionsacr. Thanks for being here and be sure to stay tuned for next time.